Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. But on this album that this song appears on, the album is called Come Tomorrow, read an interview about it, and Matthew says, I'm thinking about stuff like the love of the future, hope, family, the planet, and yes, he even says lust. What's a good rock album without a little bit of that, right? And with these very large themes, which we've been touching on and kind of floating around in turntable, this is the song he decides to open this album with. This is the first words, after six years of nothing new from Dave, we get this album, and Oh Joy Begin is the first that we hear from him. But for us who come from a faith perspective, it does beg a question. Well, where does our faith begin? This is how he starts his album. Where do do we start our faith? How do we start our thinking about faith? And by this question, I mean, as you think about God, as you think about faith, as you think about life and how all these things integrate, where is the place that you start and say, from here, I will begin the journey? We all have a place that we start. We may just not have identified it. But I remember where my faith started. And I remember learning about this thing. Maybe some of you have come across it, this cute little construct that we used to call the Romans Road. Anybody know about the Romans Road? It's five or six different verses out of Romans, and you walk through it, and this is the plan of salvation. This is what God has established. And I remember learning that from the time I was in nursery all the way up through and into high school. And the Romans road began this way. The first thing we would always read is the verse from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the core conviction of this verse and the place where we were encouraged to start is that everyone is sinful. And nobody needed to convince me that the world was a rough place. But the idea was everyone is sinful. And faith then was a means by which we address that reality. And I found this perspective was shared not just by people of faith, it was shared by all kinds of people who shared all kinds of faith and no faith. I found that agnostics and atheists would say, yeah, everyone is sinful, so we permit a certain amount of pragmatism. Your job is to sort of get from A to B in whatever way you can get there. They would say everyone is sinful, but perhaps some people are better than other people, and therefore we permit sort of the elites and the not elites and all this kind of stuff. It's a very pragmatic take on it. Yes, the world is broken, so we just figure it out as we go. Whereas people of faith said everyone is sinful, and therefore we need a savior to be killed in order to fix it all. Completely different perspectives on faith, but the same starting point. Everyone is sinful. Now, believing that that was essential to faith, because it was one of the first things that I was taught, one of the first things I remember, I held on to that, brothers and sisters, as long as I possibly could. Not that people were bad. Describing people as good or bad never made sense to me then, and it still doesn't make sense to me now. It's a category that doesn't really have any meaning. But I was convinced that the starting place is that we are all sinful. But that started to slip for me As I started to let it play out, in my own head, it started to shape how I thought about myself and how I thought about the world. And so I started to slide not into certainty. It didn't increase my faith. It actually started causing me to slide back into doubts about myself. Well, if everyone is sinful, am I good at all? Is there anything praiseworthy or valuable about me? 
I became cynical, a little pessimistic, and ultimately, perhaps even more than a bit, became a little self-righteous. Until I had this thought. And finally, if we just pound the drum, Jesus died for my sins, then that makes sin the center of everything. This was my thought. If all we ever say is Jesus died for my sins, then what's ultimately at the center of faith is not Jesus, it's sin. I was like, wait a second, that, 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 that's a problem. The, the most important thing in the world is not sin, or at least it shouldn't be. When we just say Jesus died for my sins, sin becomes the most true thing about us. And my question to us all today, is that true? Is it true that our sin is the truest thing about us? And I think this song spurred it for me. I think Dave asked that same question. The day you came, naked, afraid, your mother screams and pushes you. The day you came. Look at that moment. What is true in that moment? What is truest about you on the day that you came? And what is truest about the God who brought you into existence? And if we play that thought out, if we go back and see the kind of God that we have, we might start to discover there might be something deeper than sinfulness in the world. And if you want to go back, for me, I always go all the way back. Always to Genesis 1. We didn't read it this morning, but that's where I started. Yes, there's chaos. Yes, the Spirit's hovering over the waters. Water is the symbol for chaos. But God steps out of it all and says, you all know, let there be light. Cool. God makes a thing. What does God say about the light? God says, that's good. And then God says, well, let's make land. And God says, shoot, that's good too. And then God says, well, let's fill the ocean with all these sea creatures. Let's fill the air with all these, all these flying creatures. Like we got swimming creatures, we got flying creatures. Like it's craziness. It's still chaotic. And God keeps looking at it all and saying, that's good. And then God makes humanity. And you know what God says then? God says, that's very good. Even in the hardest part of Scripture, for me anyway, it's the book of Job. Job, the oldest scripture we have and the one that we will trip over until the Lord comes to take us home. Even in this most difficult of books, God comes to Job who is suffering and God comes to him and says, where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Job is suffering. God reminds him of the joy that was present at creation. Here's what we learn. God does not create in anger. God does not create in power to be wielded over somebody else. God creates in joy and in beauty. And the first word out of God's mouth are let there be and it is good. Goodness and delight are at the heart of creation. But not just for creation. Because we know it, goes, it all goes awry, right? Like we get the Adam and Eve story. I don't need to do that one for you. But as we thought about, as the church thought about it, as the people of God thought about it, Psalm 139, not just that things were created in joy, even after the fall, the the psalmist writes, I, and I would insert you, are fearfully and wonderfully made. You, friends, are a living, breathing thing capable of experiencing the wonder and the goodness of God. And yes, Things go sideways. Yes, none of us arrived here today going, you know, saying, I feel, 
Each of, excuse me, each of us came this morning, arrived here, and we could say to one another, yes, I feel the burden of my brokenness. Yes, I can feel my own sinfulness. Nobody ever needs to explain to any one of us that we are not fully what we shall be. But even Romans, <laughs> Romans Road comes back to bite me. Even Romans says, but God showed his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. Sin didn't keep God from coming and helping us out. Sin didn't keep Christ far away. You know why? Because sin is not the truest thing about us. And for years I read that verse with sinfulness at the core. But if you read it with God's love at the the heart of it, it is God's love and not our sin that causes God to act. Because sin is not the truest thing about us. Now Dave reminds us This song is not all just sort of, you know, this idealistic moment of birth in these early steps. Dave Matthews sings, innocent kiss, we've all been there, black magic bliss, first broken bones, sudden and swift. Dave is honest about how life will inevitably unfold. There will be decisions we make that are not great. There will be things that happen to us that become burdensome and problematic, yes. And he cries out, oh, innocence, it goes so quickly, yes. Stuff happens, pain is real. But that doesn't undo or alter the love that is at the core of it all. And he implores us, he says, let's not forget those early days. Let's not forget the deepest truth about ourselves. In fact, sin is so secondary to how we understand God that in fact our tradition, the Christian tradition, made up a story about where sin comes from. This is not in scripture. But we often tell this story to one another. If I asked you the origin of Satan... You're like, whoa, that got dark quick. But if I asked you the origin of Satan, a lot of you would say back, well, you know, there's this old story that Satan was created as Lucifer, and he was the bearer of light. He was the most beautiful thing that God had made. And that he fell, right? There's this fall, you know, the fallen angel and all that, and everything falls. Like, we tell the story, not in Scripture, but we tell this story as to explain where evil comes from. But C.S. Lewis, the great Anglican English writer and theologian, he thought about this story as well. Here's what he had to say about it. He said, to be bad, to have an active will that creates evil, he said, Satan must exist and have intelligence and will. But existence, intelligence, and will are in themselves good. Therefore, he must be getting them from what he calls the good power. What he means is God. He must be getting those those good things from the good power. Even to be bad, he must borrow or steal from his opponent. And do you now begin to see why Christianity has always said that the devil is a fallen angel? That is not a mere story for children. It is a real recognition of the fact that evil is a parasite, not an original thing. Our faith, ladies and gentlemen, is not about sinfulness is the truest thing about us. Sin is a parasite. Sin is a barnacle that attaches itself to us. What's truer than all of that is the love of God. And that's this story of the lost sheep. What do we think of this one sheep? For those of you who've been in church forever, we've heard this story a hundred times. What is it? But we tell it, right, as the parable of the what? The lost sheep. We put a judgment on the sheep. And perhaps your impulse is to think of that sheep as that guy. You know, like there's always one. The messed up one. The one who has a bad habit of coloring outside the line, or in this case, outside the fences. As, my sister would tell you, sheep are wont to do. But the most important thing about this sheep is not that it got out. 
most important bad thing about this sheep is that it's part of the hundred. But something happened to the sheep. The sheep wouldn't be out unless there was some reason, something it was looking for, something it was trying to escape, as misguided as getting out of the pen would have been. I mean, consider, maybe it was a sheep who was scared to death of the shepherd, didn't have a good reason why, was just scared of the shepherd. Maybe there was a sheep who was just tired of getting beat up by a sheep who was bigger than it was. Maybe it was a sheep who was just curious. That looks interesting over there. Maybe I get, I'm just going to run over and check that out and see what's going on. Again, as sheep are wont to do. For whatever reason, the sheep gets out, but not because the sheep is evil and not because the sheep is trying to bring evil into the world. Regardless of why the sheep is out, can we not at least look at this sheep for a second and say, you know what, I bet there was something beautiful, if misguided, that happened with that sheep. This is exactly what Dave Matthews sings about. We lose our way in fear and hate. Not that we bring about evil. It's simply we lose our way. The sheep was curious, lost its way. The sheep was afraid of another sheep, lost its way. The sheep was scared, for whatever reason, got lost on the way, and that's it. Lost its way, not rebelled. Fear and hate are powerful, yes. But we and our neighbors so rarely choose fear and hate. What most often happens is fear and hate find us. They attack us. They slip in and distort our vision, often without us ever knowing. Because sin is not a thing. Sin is a distortion. Sin isn't the truth about the sheep. Sin is a distortion. Because the truest thing about the sheep that number one, it was bred by the shepherd. It gets fed by the shepherd. It's protected by the shepherd. It's sheared by the shepherd. And when it gets out, it is carried home on the shoulders of the shepherd. And that's the beauty. It's the shepherd's sheep. And that makes the sheep beautiful, whether in the pen or out. In fact, it's the beauty and value of the sheep that sends the shepherd after it. Not the fact that it's out. If it was about, well, that's a bad sheep, the shepherd would have let it run into the woods and get eaten by bears. No, it's love that sends the shepherd after the sheep. The sheep just lost sight of the love of the shepherd, and it can come back. Sin is not the truest thing about us. It's simply the absence of goodness in us. Sin is not indigenous to our being, but it is a parasite that will one day be eradicated. When we tell the story of salvation, we often tell it this way, Jesus came to save us from our sin. And sure, that's true. Jesus isn't on a cross if the world is a good place and the world is right, right? But Jesus didn't come just because of sin. He came because of love. Love that runs deeper than any sin. God's love is then not hidden behind the wall of status or a prayer or a sacrament or anything. No, God's love is the truest fact about us from the moment we come into being. It is the deepest reality about us and the first thing that ought to always be said about each and every person. And what happened when the shepherd came back with the sheep? Punishment or scolding, beat the sheep so that it never gets back out again? Turn up the electricity on the fence so that it doesn't get back out again? Well, maybe that part, but... No, thank you. <laughs> no, the shepherd says, rejoice with me for I have found the sheep that was lost. And not just in the story, but as Jesus recounts it also in heaven, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Friends, hear this as clearly as I can say it. 
Your story is one that brings joy to the heavens. Your story is one that brings joy to the heavens. Sometimes that's hard for us. Still hard for me. But this is why we did this Nehemiah reading. And Debbie comes in and goes, what are we doing? There's some funny words in there. But I cut out the hard ones, Debbie. I want you to know that. But Nehemiah, the people are able to come back to Jerusalem for the first time after being exiled. And they find a copy of the book of the law. And so they said, we're going to crack this thing open and we're going to read it for everyone to hear. And it says they read it from early morning until noontime. A lot of us wouldn't have patience for that. The early Israelites did. And they, they read this law for the first time in generations. And their reaction is not, hey, we got the scriptures back. Their reaction is, look how far we've fallen from who God called us to be. Their first reaction is to weep and to sob because they said, we've been missing this and we're starting to realize exactly what we are not. And Nehemiah and the priest Ezra go, oh, time out, time out. No, bring it on back. The truest thing about you is not that you've broken the law. The truest thing about you is that God has always seen you this way. And Nehemiah says, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy because the gospel reveals who we truly and most deeply are. Covered over as we are with sin, yet we are the beloved children of God. And all of that sin one day is going to fall away and be forgotten. And underneath of it, we will be revealed, you and your neighbor, to be beautiful. Underneath of it all, you and your neighbor will be revealed to be special. Underneath of it all, you and your neighbor will be revealed to be loved. And when we discover that, we find salvation and hope for the world. We find value and purpose that was always there. Because love, not your sin, not your evil, not your brokenness, not the pain of the world. Love is the most basic thing about you. And to that I say, in the words of Dave Matthews, oh joy begin, weak little thing. More precious, there'll be nothing, new, nothing known. Oh joy begin. Oh joy begin.